We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select... LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. TJ. Oh, my goodness! Stunning! With the left hand! Devontae Deep! Oh, my goodness! I don't believe it! A 30-foot on the top already. All right, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another Buzz Beat, your Charlotte Hornets podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This is Richie, and on today's episode, Brian, Spencer, and myself are going to be talking about the Gordon Hayward acquisition and what that will look like for this Charlotte Hornets team. Uh, At the time of this recording, we're recording this on a Tuesday evening. Nothing is officially official yet, so we don't know exactly how the acquisition is going to be made, but we will talk about the implications both on court as well as what it means for Charlotte's salary this season and years to come. We will also finish this episode with a fun segment that I have stolen from J.J. Reddick's podcast where we are going to draft our favorite Thanksgiving dishes. Brian and Spencer, how's everything going with you guys? I know that uh, for free agency for me, especially that first night, it was very hard to keep up with all the signings, the news, and everything that was going on. I'm not even sure you know, what player plays for which team at this point. There's been so much movement going on. Yeah, I mean, it's like... You're first off, you're coming off the high of the draft Wednesday night, which was crazy. Um, both from Charlotte's perspective and just like league wide, I thought it was a pretty fascinating draft. Um, certainly unprecedented in terms of how it was hosted and when it took place. And then you snap right from that into two days later to 48 hours later, right into free agency. And that first day was of free agency was pretty crazy. And then obviously in terms of Charlotte's perspective, it got, pretty nuts on Saturday with the Hayward um, edition. 
And then all of this is now tracking into the most bizarre start to a college basketball season ever, which is set to go off on Wednesday. I mean, we'll see plenty of programs have paused or postponed. It's it's a complete mess right now. But just all of that being packed into a week while I'm also trying to like do work stuff and get ready for a very weird Thanksgiving with my family because of COVID. Uh, yeah, look, no one wants to hear anyone complain about themselves. Everyone, people have it, you know, there are actually people having a tough time right now. So uh, this is no woe is me thing, but it's just been kind of whiplash constantly just from like, from a news perspective. Yeah, definitely would second all of that. This has been, um, this has been nonstop and it's been extremely difficult to keep your head above water <laughs> uh, from trying to react to all of this and, and keep up with all of it. Frankly, I'm still reading uh, trade grades and, and just everything I can get my eyes on to figure out who the heck is on everybody's roster. I'm, I'm still not <laughs> caught up with that. And yeah. then just Thanksgiving week. And yeah, so this is yesterday was my first day back to work from paternity leave. So it's, it's yeah. Drinking from a fire hose is uh, the astute uh, John Hollinger described it. When the draft started, this was going to go crazy, and that moratorium was lifted. So it has been—it's been a lot of fun, a lot to react to. Um, certainly, certainly reason I think for Hornets fans to be excited about what is going to be here in in a month, which is basketball and players we weren't expecting uh, to see on the court in a Hornets uniform. Um, I think plenty to discuss and, and try to dissect what that all means, though, because it does mean a lot uh, for the future Hornets and the current Hornets. Exactly. And that's why we're having this pod today to have a discussion about Gordon Hayward. I think a lot of teams around the league improved. A lot of people are talking about the Blazers with their with their signings of Derek Jones Jr. and their trade of Covington. I think the Lakers did a good job this offseason. Uh, but yeah. we're, we're, we're going to start. The, the L.A. teams did were far and away the, yeah. the best. Uh, Brooklyn did some good stuff, too, at least resigning Harris and picking up Shamit and Jeff Green on the the uh, the minimum. But just like imagine a week ago. Yeah, just one week ago, if someone came up to you and said the Hornets right now are set to have <laughs> Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball in cap space a week from now, like, <laughs> cap, like 2020 cap space, you would be like, you would just, it would be impossible for your mind to like wrap around or not impossible. Yeah. It would be very difficult to wrap your mind around like how and why exactly that had happened. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was uh, <laughs> I was in downtown West Jefferson, North Carolina on Saturday when I got the news over my phone with walking around with some family, most of who don't even know who the Charlotte Hornets are, and probably watching my reactions to what I just read on my phone was like, what? what wait, this is this is not real. This is not real. And then I immediately remembered Michael Jordan as our owner, and this, this indeed is real. So I was going to uh, say, Richie, it's officially time to change our intro because Terry Rozier is going to be the starting nothing uh, <laughs> on this team. So we're going to have to change the intro. Yeah. I just, I realized that as we were rolling in here, I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Rozier. Yeah. yeah. He's not starting at anything. For that's, sure. that's a good yeah. point. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, hopefully I can uh, find that intro music and, and make some adjustments, but I still think there's a chance that Rozier starts honestly, but, but yeah, I, maybe, I, think you're, yeah. maybe, yeah. We'll I don't think he, like, I don't think he should, you yeah. know, but right. I can see it being LaMelo Hayward. Yeah. Rosier, PJ, mm. 
in Cody. Yeah. That, yeah. No. Yeah. That, that makes some sense. But but I'm like he's not one of their five best players. You know, obviously. So yeah. Yes, but he is getting paid what eighteen million dollars a year. So all right. Speaking yeah. of someone getting paid eighteen million, let's transition to Hayward, who's going to be getting paid about thirty million dollars a year. Uh, I just want to go over like a quick timeline outlining Hayward leading up to this point. In 2014, he did receive an offer sheet from Charlotte, four years, $63 million offer sheet, but it was matched by Utah. Uh, he played for Utah for three more seasons before joining Boston in 2017. In Hayward's first season, uh, he fractured his tibia and missed all of that season. I remember watching that game on opening night, I believe it was against yeah. the Cavs. LeBron James and the Cavs. Yeah. And then I would say his best season in, in a Celtics uniform was this past season uh, with Boston. Uh, and that kind of brings us up to today where he has signed a four-year, $120 million contract, and he'll end up on the Charlotte Hornets. The issue is we don't know how he's going to be acquired. Will it just be a straight signing and the waving of Batum? Will there be a sign-and-trade that's invo involved here? Because right now you just can't sign him because there's not the space, uh, especially with the way that Batum's contract uh, is holding up $27 million uh, on the books right now. So we're going to start with the off-the-court implications. So not not him as a player yet. Let's, ju let's just talk about the ways that, that Hayward can be acquired. And I think, I think the first place to start is with the sign-and-trade because – it feels like if they were just going to sign Gordon Hayward and wave Batum, that probably would have been done by now. So it seems like they're trying to work out some kind of sign and trade here. And a benefit of this, Spencer, is that it prevents the stretching of Batum. If you can get a sign and trade involved here where we're sending some, some salary out Instead of taking Batum's $27 million contract and stretching it over three seasons, $9 million this season plus two more, he would just be coming off the books next year. So I think if potentially the Hornets can get a sign-and-trade worked out, uh, I think this is going to be the best route to go. And then obviously there's some kind of incentive for Boston here because they are basically giving up Hayward for nothing. And if they are able to work out a sign-and-trade, they can also create a traded player exception, which will allow them to trade for a player down the road without sending out salary. Uh, obviously, that, that lasts for a year. So, Spencer, what, what are your overall thoughts on this sign-and-trade? If it were to occur, obviously, we don't know the details of it yet, but isn't this probably the preferred method that Charlotte is trying to do here? I think, yeah, I think there's incentive for both sides here, for sure. I, I think there's, pro yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know who like has more incentive to get it done. Right. Part of me thinks that Boston, maybe a little bit because of the the trade exception that they could create, but it's the difference of the salaries. So, and this is important to note, the only way for Charlotte to sign Gordon Hayward, uh, if it were to start at about thirty million that first year, mm -hmm. and Lamelo Ball's first year which would be about 7.8 million, they need to get off. I mean, if you just plug those two numbers into the sheet right now, they need to get off like 12, around $12 million. Yeah. So it has to involve Cody Zeller, basically. Um, they're not taking, you know, Boston's obviously not taking Nick Batum. <laughs> uh, I mean, if that were the case, we'd have to send them a first round pick on top of that <laughs> or something, something like that. And then just take Hayward. So it has to involve Zeller. And that's the only way you can really keep, Batum's, uh, you know, final year on the books without having to stretch him. I, I kind of feel like in the end that's not going to happen because what's the – like, 
that would be a $15 million trade exception for Boston or somewhere in, in, in that area and the difference of the salary. And like, what are, what are they going to get for that? Uh, we also overplayed trade exceptions. I know this has been talked yeah. about a lot. I mean, they, like so few of them actually ever get used. Uh, I know that can be a nice tool. It's just kind of like extra. It's just like for cap space in, in a sense, but you have to send a team something back of value to get a good player to bring into that trade exception. So it's not like you're just like, nobody's going to like gift wrapped you, you know, a $15 million player that's going to replace Gordon Hayward if you're Boston. So I, I just don't, I don't see where the, for Charlotte, they want to get Hayward. They feel like they have Boston over the barrel a little bit here because they're going to lose Hayward for nothing. And I honestly don't think MJ has a problem with stretching Batum and just carrying 9 million for the next three years. I, I, I think that's why he leaked it to bottle the other day on Saturday, almost immediately after the Hayward signing was, uh, was announced because that was probably a message to Boston that like, if we're going to do business with you, you're going to do business our way. We're just going to stretch Batum if, if that's what it takes. I mean, I think it's that simple. I don't think that Charlotte's astute at smoke screening and, and spinning the narrative. I think they're pretty much going to tell you what it is because this is what they want to get done, if that makes sense. So I think that when, when this is all said and done, Batum will have to get waived and stretched first. That'll have to be the first transaction. Right. Then Gordon Hayward will be signed, and then LaMelo will be announced as – you know, signing his rookie contract, uh, and we'll see what happens with Carey and Riller and uh, Richards. And Richards. Yeah. So that, that's the way I, I see this happening, unless Boston is going to hand over two seconds or something like that. I think that would kind of be the asking price. You know, you're going to have to take Zeller. You're going to have to – or you're going to have to put Robert Williams in the deal too. So, you know, something like that. And I don't think Boston's going to do that. Yeah, I it it also feels like I, I'm curious to know what the appeal of Zeller would be in Boston. Um, in in this hypothetical, like he's a guy that I've we've mocked to them in in trades before over the last year or so. But you know they went out and they used the mid level on Tristan Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got Daniel Tice, who's a very solid player on a great contract. They've got Robert Williams, and they could have done this sign and trade with Indiana, right? And and there was some sort of. Uh, uh, some haggling from, from both sides where, where Boston didn't, you know, they, they wanted uh Turner or Oladipo. Um, so they, I think, I think someone like miles um, Turner would have been, it would have been a nice boost for their front court. If that's your center rotation along with um, Daniel Tice and, and Robert Williams. But so, yeah, I, I'm just not sure where they, they would be at with, with Zeller. Although like, you know, to, you know, expiring contract and stuff. And, and I think he would, he would help. He's good with Kemba. I think you brought up a good point too, with specific almost to Bunnell, like just reading the tea leaves. Like, th- there's a reason why he broke that, you know, um, as opposed to any of the other national newsmakers. That sounds like that's something that you know comes right from the source in in the front office with Charlotte. And um, and yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Like, it it wouldn't surprise me if Boston was caught off guard not only by Hayward wanting to go Charlotte, Charlotte willing to offer $120 million, but Charlotte also being willing to just stretch Batum, you know? And yeah, exactly. Just like that, all of that. I feel like this has been a very, for the Celtics in general, this has been a very reactive offseason. I don't think they had a very good draft. Um, I think they've actually swung and missed on a couple of things going back the last year. Um, as, as some of their marquee top talents have just walked out the door for nothing. It's not great asset management on either side of the coin by Boston. So yeah, this would, this would be tough for them to swallow. And it does seem like they were perhaps um, caught off guard a little bit. It is humorous to think about 
uh, Nick Batum signing that con, you know, agreeing to that contract on July 1st, 2016 mm-hmm. and being on the books until 2023, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like hard to believe, but it lives uh, on, it lives on Brian. Yeah, it does. It's, it's happened plenty before. I mean, yeah. heck, the Nets just got off of uh, Darren Williams, I think. <laughs> like Josh, his money just like literally died. Josh Smith just uh, yeah. just cleared two for Detroit. And just as a side note, too, Spencer, you brought up a great point about like uh, trade exceptions too. Like, it we discuss these like they're these like very rare assets that teams have, especially gold. You know, the Golden State one that they were able to use on Ubre. Yeah, like teams have several of these. You know, they, they're sort yeah. of now they're just you usually have more middling value. Um, but you could see why this if the Celtics could get it up to a, a a very strong number if you could involve a third team, perhaps even somehow in this, you could see how that would have some appeal to them. But yeah, that's what I wanted to back up to. BG yeah. is I, I should have added that's the only way they can create the thirty million dollar slot right. in, in terms of his trade exception. We they got to find a. They have to find a third team, and that's probably what Charlotte is saying. Like, come back to us if you have a third team, and then we'll we'll talk about what asset you're going to send our way to doing you this favor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it would only require, like I said, like Zeller's salary. Um, I'm sure there are some fifteen and a half million dollar trade exceptions out there. I, maybe Oklahoma City still has one, but I think this this huge four team trade that they're part of i think they're using most of their trade exceptions to facilitate that trade mm-hmm. there, there's not many of them out there is the point i should probably do a little bit more research and figure out where they are so i just like the probability of finding that third team at this point in time when 90 percent of rosters are full, full across the league now is just not very high mm-hmm. um which is another point of why this why this sign of trade is probably not going to happen the the biggest uh trade exception i'm looking at i don't know if this is fully updated uh, pending this other transaction you're discussing, but is the the Paul George? It's like a 10.3 million dollar trade exception that also expires later this week too on November 26. And I do think it's it's probably more likely that Batum is stretched, right? So you have nine million this year plus two more additional years. And just looking at my little spreadsheet here, and Spencer, correct me if I'm wrong, but. You know, while it's not ideal to stretch Batum, right, that that's probably not high up on our preferred list, it's definitely better than trying to attach one of our own assets just to get <laughs> off some some contract money. Uh, but even yeah. looking at next offseason in 21-22, not that it totally matters because we're not going to be competing in the free agency market, I still have them down for about north of 20 plus million yeah, 20 million yeah 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 no that that's accurate um and, oh and one last thing sorry on the sign and trade because i think we left it out i think new york is actually the only other team in the league i think with the cap space that could just take zeller so they would they would be okay. the, the last team in the league with actual cap space that boston could recruit to be a part of the trade other than that it's it, the sign and trade would be dead um, so I just want to throw that in there for 21, 22. Yeah. Richie, I've got them right now. Let's see. Yeah. I've got them at an estimated about 102 million in, in salary. And that includes, does that, that does that include the 9 million? Like if I'm you sorry, were, if you were to stretch Batum, that, that doesn't include that. does yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. It does. It does. So this includes, okay. This includes a few different things. It's just like what I'm thinking is going to happen. Which certainly yeah. might not uh, a Devante Graham extension. Okay. I don't have a Batum yet. stretch. Bismack Biombo, you know, two million dollars right. or whatever. That might not that might even be non guaranteed, so it might not matter. 
the Lamella Ball second year rookie salary, and then Gordon Hayward. So there's yeah. a lot that goes into that number, but that still comes out 102. The projected salary cap for next year is so 112, 125. Oh. So I mean, so that's yeah, that's 23 million dollars. Gotcha. Um, and 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 room and a lot of different tools to to create more. Mm-hmm. So, and we can talk about this more later when we talk more about the Gordon Hayward contract and, and I'll try to justify it a little bit for Charlotte. It's going to be difficult, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but yeah, I mean, but yes, the Hornets can still be players next year. And, and let's say that they don't get off Zeller and we just have to sign uh, Gordon Hayward into our cap space and we stretch Batum in this scenario I'm talking about. I think we can trade Zeller during the season, um, possibly get something back from that. I think there's a chance we could trade Rozier during the season. So there, there are ways to create more and build the asset base a little bit deeper uh, before next summer. Yeah. I think that's the important thing. One of the important takeaways to remember is that obviously Hayward is going to be a big number on Charlotte's books mm-hmm. for the next four years here, but in, in, in signing him does sort of like go against some of the messaging we heard out of the front office, which right. was, you know, we're not going to just sign veteran players. Uh, clearly, they they value Gordon Hayward more than just a standard veteran player. But, you know, they, they kept saying we're going to be sort of, we're going to make savvy moves. We're going to use our space. We're going to take on, you know, maybe use this to take on bad salary and pick up draft picks. Like, they're still going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, that You know, that's still going to be a, a, a possibility for them. You know, not this summer now. I mean, like, they've, they've, you know, unless maybe there's some sort of way in the sign entry with Boston where they're able to scoop up another asset somehow, some sort of pick or whatever, or, you know, maybe Robert Williams and someone, one of these other machinations, but um, they're still going to be able to like eventually get to that space. And I hope they do because like that, that's, that is, that is like where the front office should be operating from in, in, in my opinion. And they can still get to that. Um, it's just, I think, it's just maybe delayed or a little bit more, more of a challenge because of the Hayward contract. Right. Right. I think one of the, one of the big takeaways here, and it's kind of a shame on us as a, as Hornets fans, as the Hornets fan base, because we listen to Mitch Kupchak say, we're not going to be uh, buyers. You know, I don't expect us to be buyers in summer 2020. You know, we're going to, he used the word sustainability a lot, which Bono touched on in his piece today. He said all the right things and we kind of believed him. But we forgot one very key element to this franchise and to the NBA in general. Like the ownership at the end of the day, they make the decisions. We see it over and over and over again. It's the reason that Golden State doubled their ta- their luxury tax bill to bring in Kelly Oubre. Into, I mean, and Kelly Oubre is a nice player or whatever. But, player. Like, yeah. but yeah, he's fine. But, but they, they're going to pay effectively like $70 million to bring him in to, to a trade exception. And ownership greenlit, greenlit it. They were like, we want to compete. That's fine. And we're looking at the same situation here for Charlotte. Michael Jordan does not have the stomach for a rebuild. And there's a lot of owners out there that don't. Mm-hmm. All right, but there is no patience in this market, or I shouldn't say no, very little patience in this market to swallow 20 wins a season over three years, bring in a bunch of rookies on low salary deals, uh, you know, sw- swing and try to hit in, in, in free agency and, and build slowly. Michael Jordan is not, he's never going to do that. Not, not over the long haul. Not like a Sam Presti's going to. Not like the GMs and the owners that we celebrate in this league. So as Hornets fans, we just need to understand that. He doesn't have the patience to. He's never going to do it to the extent that we all kind of say 
makes you smart and successful in the long run. And I think that's the big takeaway here, regardless of what you believe about the Gordon Hayward contract. Yeah. And, and I just real quickly, like on the, uh, to, to, on the, like to go along with that, I think it's also, this is, this is maybe a nicer way of looking at it. I think it's okay for basketball franchises to have an alternative set of goal outside of winning the championship. It might be putting a semi-competitive product on the court and, and like making a lot of money. Now I don't necessarily like agree with that from like a top down organizational perspective. Um, but I, but I think that's okay. Like all 30 NBA teams can't look at themselves and be like, uh, yeah, like we're, we are constantly churning and trying to build title contention. Sometimes it's okay to say like, we're going to, again, I don't know if it's, I'm not saying it's prudent. It's not shrewd. It's not what I would do, but it is another way to go about owning one of these teams to say like, well, we just want to get good players and we want to be semi-competitive and we want to be a money-making entertainment product, even if that does really restrict us in terms of what our our overall team success can be. Yeah, I mean, there's only like five or six teams that legitimately have like a a serious shot at winning a championship, so there's obviously, you know, 25 other teams out there that, you know, have other motives. You're right there, uh, Brian. Uh, My gut instinct when I saw this move, guys, like clearly $120 million is an overpay, but for a market like Charlotte... You're going to have to overpay, right? Like until you establish yourself as a winning franchise, as a culture and a place where free agents want to be, you're going to have to overpay. And like I tweeted out, like I, I, they're clearly not going to be competing for these free agents in the 21 off season where more teams have cap space. So they're basically picking up a free agent now overpaying for him. Yes. And getting them, you know, on the roster. Now, clearly uh, to me, Gordon Hayward is not going to live up to his contract, you know, $30 million a year for the next four years, especially towards the end of that contract. Will he be a tradable asset? Probably not. And obviously injuries are going to play a big role in this. But to me, like, I'm not like defending the move by any means, but like Charlotte in the situation that they are in, they do have to overpay for players. They're going to have to get better at drafting and developing the developing their players so they can establish themselves as a winning culture and a winning organization before they can kind of attract free agents at a reasonable price. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be the most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job making indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do right now indeed is offering our listeners a free 75 dollars credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Right now, go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. 
Football's back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And going back to the last point you, you both were making about, you know, being a, you know, money-making entertainment enterprise. I mean, you're absolutely right, BG, and, and I don't disagree with that at all. I just wanted to kind of make the point and remind our fans about <laughs> how this was always going to go with the ownership. And, Richie, you're right. You know, it's uh, the Hornets saw an opportunity to use their cap space in a way that, that did have some strategy to it and wasn't all knee-jerk, right? Like, they looked down the road and they're like, okay, well, what's $50 million in cap space really going to do the market of Charlotte, North Carolina next summer when half the league, at least, is going to have cap space and it's a really good class? Like, we, we won't be signing a free agent until, like, you know, July the 7th and we'll have $50 million. I mean, unless we operate like Detroit and sign 19 centers, uh, <laughs> you know, but that's that's a conversation for a different day. To, to that point, Charlotte didn't have the worst for agency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, um, hey, look yeah. man, when you when you have the chance to commit $85 million to Jeremy Grant and, and Mason Plumley, <laughs> I'm sorry. You just, you have to do it. Those, that's a no questions asked. It's, it's a no brainer. You, yeah. I mean, you have to. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right, Richard. They saw an opportunity. I think they used the space they had, all that money for next summer. They, they used, I mean, you can effectively say they used it this summer. Um, and I think that's okay. I think part of that can be fine. The part that's not fine is when you're like in no universe is stretching the an expiring contract that's worth yeah. more than $25 million over three seasons. A good thing. I don't care how big of a market you are. I don't care how, how small of a market you are. That's it. That's a really like to just light $9 million of cap space on fire next summer yeah. to sign a 30 year old who has injury history issues. And, and it's basically like, I can't remember him playing for the Celtics. It, as weird as that sounds, like, I feel like I never really <laughs> saw it. And he was there for more than three seasons. Well, like, he was on a diminished role too. You got, you got, I mean, no, obviously, I, I, I yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah. I get it. And look, I like him as a player. We'll get there in a yeah. minute. I really do. I think this yeah. is a good fit for this roster, but too. like the way they're going about it is just, it, it can't be defended. Like I, I hope he fits in from a basketball mm-hmm. standpoint, but the way this team has gone about it is, it's just, it, it's just so like part of it's not knee jerk. Like I said, it's strategic because you look down the road and you're like, well, let's just use it now because we're not going to get anything then, or at least we're guessing we're not. Mm-hmm. But the other part's like, you, you certainly for the last two or three months weren't planning to stretch the final year of Nick Batum's contract. So that part is knee jerk. Yeah. And it's like, you could have done more work before you got to this point to make sure you didn't have to sacrifice future leverage financially and that's the part that's really frustrating and especially as you have a weird season coming up where you're you're probably not going to be able to have fans or not have many of them you know why it it makes the most sense to just say like hey it we can keep this little mini rebuild we got going it's going to be a weird year we're going to satisfy our tv demands we're going to get through this this bizarre covid season we're going to use another pick 
then we can launch into really just going crazy over paying guys to sign them if we want to do that, you know, but you get another season of, of tank, you get another lottery pick, which I still don't, we can talk. I'd like to talk about this too yeah. at some point, but like, I don't think they played themselves out of the lottery with the Hayward edition, but also like you just clear Batum, like he's just gone. And then you don't have any of that dead money sitting on, you know, you don't have $18 million over two more years of dead money with, uh, with, you know, with Nick Batum, I guess my thing is it's like, it must just really suck to be a part of a team. Like, unless you really can like lean in and embrace it, it must really suck to be a part of a team that's going through a rebuild. Like that. I mean, I that's maybe that's part of something that like, especially like on our side where we like to really analyze teams, you know, maximizing their cap space and, and really collecting assets. And what, the part that that we're probably blind to is just how much it, it must really suck to to have to go through that. And maybe that's maybe that's situational. And I think there are ways you can improve upon it. I feel like we had these conversations like three years ago too. Um, seriously, but uh, yeah, I um, exactly. <laughs> it's 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 nuts. I can like hear. I can literally hear Spencer from 2017 saying that like, yes, marketing deserves a seat at the table, but it's not the only seat at the table. Like I can like I can literally hear that in my head. Um, it's crazy, but yeah, like it, I, again, it's an overpay. There's a lot of downside risk. This is a risky maneuver, but it's not. It checks some boxes because Hayward is a good player. And I think you can argue, assuming he stays healthy, his game's yeah. going to age pretty well. And I think he's a nice complimentary fit next to LaMelo. And I do think I really, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm projecting my own thoughts and feelings too much. I think there's a case to be made that Charlotte did this for the sake of LaMelo. Not in terms of just like, oh, we need to get a, a good player next to him so they can try to win like 37 games next year or whatever. But I think it was perhaps a move that was done to aid in his development. Um, so trading for Russell Westbrook wouldn't have done that too, Brian? No, but like, that's the other thing too. I think, I think Bunnell wrote this, which is like, you could sort of get the feeling that Charlotte was, was itchy to make a, make a splash move when they got involved in the, in the discussions with yeah. Westbrook. Yeah. And then ball ended up felt like, you know, Wiseman goes to, so, you know, they instead draft LaMelo and they sign Hayward. But like, it does seem like there's a real chance that, if LaMelo had some reason gone two to golden state, they draft Wiseman third. It does seem like maybe they would have, uh, they would have tried to flip a move for, for Westbrook, or maybe they would have tried this Hayward signing, um, you know, regardless, you know? Yeah. So, um, who, I, who's to say, but Hayward turned down $34 million this season. And, um, yeah, ultimately the $100 million over four year number with Indiana ended up not working out. So, yeah, bizarre, bizarre offseason for sure. It really is. Um, I think this, you started to touch on it a little bit, Brian. I, I think this is a good basketball fit. And I think you make a really fascinating point about did Charlotte, the majority of the reason they did this, was it for LaMelo's um, development? I, that's it. I haven't thought about it from that perspective. So I think that's very interesting. So Charlotte, and there's a world where they could start five players, they could have five players on the court at one time that are basically all six, seven and talk and, you know, be small yeah. balls. So I almost, you know, I don't want to use the term death lineup, but I'm, I'm lacking <laughs> to come up with another one off the top of my head, but yeah. um, they have some real versatility uh, if, if they can stay healthy, but, you know, between PJ Washington and LaMelo ball uh, and Gordon Hayward now uh, with Terry Rozier, 
Um, I think Devontae Graham, I mean, he, we know he can play off the ball. I mean, I, I'm really excited to see him, LaMelo Ball, uh, and Gordon Hayward play together. That mm-hmm. That's that's pretty interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if, if this is, we all know this is such a big if, but God, if Cody Zeller could stay healthy um, and, and they just keep him in Charlotte this season, like this team is going to be frisky if they stay healthy. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And they're going to be a lot better defensively with just the addition of Gordon Hayward. And they're going to be a lot better offensively too with that addition. So like, it's not, it's not beyond comprehension that this team is at 500 a little above it and is one of the friskier like offensive and defensive teams in the league this year. Yeah, I think when you look up and down the lineup, you see a lot of ball handlers and playmakers up and down the lineup. You know, point guard all the way down to center. You get P.J. Washington who can handle the ball. Cody Zeller can play out of the short role and, and handle the ball a little bit. I mean, obviously not to the extent that P.J. can, but this team is now full of playmakers at different positions. And I, I think Gordon Hayward, to your guys' point, he will fit with this roster, the play style. He's going to give the Hornets exactly what they need. It's a pretty seamless fit here. You can put the ball in his hands, take it out of LaMelo, so LaMelo doesn't have to carry the burden so much. He can go get you a bucket in the mid-range. He can score at the hoop. Uh, and to your point, Spencer, he's he's underrated on the defensive side of the court. I, I, I don't think people realize that he does make an impact on that side. And then even at the age of 30, I feel like, He's going to fit in with Borrego's comments about trying to push the pace and get up and down in the transition game. Uh, he he does a great job of filling the lanes, getting out in transition. And while he's not athletic, like uber athletic, where he's going to dunk over you, uh, he's he's a very heady player, smart player, and knows when to make those cuts in transition. So I, I think the fit's going to be pretty seamless. To your point, Brian, maybe it, it's not going to push them into the playoffs, but it's definitely going to make them more competitive, right? Yeah. That would be a good thing, by the way, too. Yeah, a couple, <laughs> right, right, right. couple quick thoughts on the on just the roster. Like they they've got a it's crowded in the backcourt and on the wing right now. It really is, and and I think Borrego's really going to have have to tap into his, and he's certainly willing to be flexible with his lineups and his rotations and to play a bunch of different guys. But you're going to need to see Cody Martin and Miles Bridges playing more for this year. PJ at the five, like you're going to have to you're just going to have to see some of that stuff. I think it would help a lot. It seems unlikely, but like any move that would ship Terry Rozier out would help, I think, clear a bit of a log jam in the mm-hmm. backcourt because it, how are you going to get playing time from Malik Monk right now? And I guess maybe that's clearly not the top of the priority list here for Charlotte, but something to consider. Like Malik played well last season. He's still just 22, last year of his rookie contract. Yeah, no, I was like, we. I think we were all kind of excited to see what Malik would do this season. And now it's like, how does this guy get to anything more than like, you know, fringe rotation minutes? It's tough to see. Um, yeah. Another thing on the lineup too, any lineup that has like Devante, LaMelo, Gordon Hayward, and PJ is going to be really fun. And you can fill in that, you know, you can fill in that fifth spot with whomever you want. Miles Bridges, uh, Cody yeah. Martin, Monk, um, et cetera. I think Hayward also from a matchup standpoint, because he gives you some usage and he's a good wing. He can, he can score like he's going to take some tougher matchups away from LaMelo. He's going to take some tougher matchups away from PJ. We saw how many times last season where teams were able, were willing to take their, their bigger three and put it on PJ and just run him off the three point line. Now PJ has got a post game and he, he can punish a switch too. But um, so that's another thing back to LaMelo and Hayward though. Um, 
helps from a development standpoint. Uh, but yeah, Hayward, big wing that can really shoot at a great shooting season last year for Boston secondary creator that can pass. Um, look from day one with Lamelo, we're going to see his influence all over this offense, how this team plays in transition, how they play in the half court. And I've been tweeting out a lot of clips of stuff that I think they can do. That was already in the JB, the James Rago playbook that makes a lot of sense for Lamelo ball or for this personnel. Um, so if you want go check out my Twitter page the last week, I've been pumping out a lot of that content. Um, but like, LaMelo is going to be a somewhat of an interesting player because again, he's going to be connected to everything they're doing with his ball handling and his passing. But right now, like LaMelo is not like a finisher, right? Like who knows what, what ungodly percentage he's going to shoot on pull-up threes next season. And he struggled to finish at the rim in Australia this past year. Now it's been a year. Hopefully he's gotten bigger and stronger, but he's like not ready to come in there and just give you like usage, you know, like a lot of usage and a lot of like, scoring and you know one-on-one leverage situations um so i think hayward helps there because Lamelo just not that bursty not that explosive you know who knows if he's strong enough to really be an elite play finisher probably not at this point so with hayward you got a guy that can be a linking player can come in uh you know connect actions give you usage four level score um Richie, you mentioned he shoots a lot from the mid-range. So he does. 42% of his field goal attempts came last season. That is a high volume. Um, I bet he'll shoot more threes in Charlotte. I bet he shoots more threes off the catch would be. And he, um, yeah, he's a good spot-up three-point yeah, shooter. No, yeah, no, totally, 100%. Um, 48% from mid-range last two seasons. And then last year, here's the four-level scoring from Gordon Hayward. 69% at the rim. 45% long mid-range, 42% corner threes, 38% above the break threes, 43% three-pointers shooting off the catch. That was 22% of his field goal attempts. Uh, 0.9 points per possession shooting out of the pick and roll, 48% effective shooting in isolation situations last season. How, how is he on cuts, Brian? I feel like he's pretty good on cuts. I don't, I don't have that uh, okay. on the um, on the doc that I typed up here. I don't gotcha. have a synergy page pulled up. But 1.15 points per possession in isolation last year, 58% effective shooting, and then 1.2 points per possession on spot-ups, including 64% effective shooting on spot-up, no dribble jumpers with Gordon Hayward. And so, yeah, I think both with the offense he gives you, the shooting, the playmaking, it fits next to LaMelo, and I think it'll be good for him to play with that type of player at the start of his career. And we we talked about last week how when, after drafting LaMelo Ball, what it really meant for Charlotte's identity in playing fast, playing up-tempo. Gordon Hayward gives you another wing, you know, similar to Melo, that's a really good defensive rebounder that he's going to unlock lot a lot more in theory transition opportunities for charlotte um because gordon hayward can grab and go and last year in fact it was his best defensive rebounding year he's had his entire career uh he pulled down 5.6 about five and a half defensive rebounds per game that that is really you know when we talk about the the development of lamello ball getting out and running uh, and not always feeling like he needs to go get the ball in every single situation, you know, running the wing, getting out in transition, being the, the hot, you know, being the second pass. Um, I, I think Charlotte is going, you look at this roster, you look at how they want to play on paper. They should be top 10 in pace easily. Yeah. And that's, that's, a, and that's a lot from being last yeah. the year before, but there's really no reason this team can't play 
really, really even even faster than we thought they were going to after this Gordon Hayward signing. It is wild to see just how they went from last year where they really had just like one guy reliably that could create off the dribble with Devontae. Um, Malik had some games for sure, and I guess, uh, you know, Terry did as well. But now they've got, you know, you have Hayward, you have LaMelo, you have Devontae Graham. Um, I, I don't know how much a part of the picture of Grant Riller is going to be this season, but, you know, he's another guy that can mm-hmm. do some of that stuff. And uh, as far as Devontae goes, like, you know, I don't, obviously, the three of us, we don't know, like, how the franchise totally views Devontae long-term. And, and maybe we'll see if extension talks fire up. That's, that front seems to be pretty quiet at the moment. But I think this can also push Devontae towards a more, like, stable role and give him, like, that's a little more ide- ideally suited for his skill set. I sort of felt that way about the after the LaMelo pick, and I, I sort of still feel that way even after they've brought Hayward in, but more off-ball usage, which that was always part of the initial plan with Devontae. More primary possessions going up against the second unit. That's a good thing, too. That's more drop centers. That's less uh, elite on-ball uh, pick-and-roll defenders. Um, fewer ball screen traps, more spot-up opportunities, more corner three-point volume. He got basically none of that um last season and this could be good for a guy that struggles shooting from certain areas right i think now with Devonte, you don't need him to to force tough pull-up threes you don't need him to like drive into the paint try to get a foul and throw up a terrible mid-range shot or whatever like he can be a little more selective with uh with his shooting and, and doing it against weaker defenders on average which um, which I think could be a good thing. And I think it's also probably worth mentioning that like there's also a chance too that like Devontae Graham and, and look, the advanced numbers, the per possession numbers for him were great last season and pull up shooting and, and really like his, uh, you know, luck adjusted on off offensive rating was terrific to one of the better ones in the league. But I do think it helped him being, you know, the lone creator on a, on a bad, on a bad team, but that had some like, you know, shot a lot of threes ultimately, you know? So I think that sort of, inflated his his own value a little bit. I think Devontae's a, a really good player. Like, there's no question he's a very strong offensive guard, but he has some real limitations too. Yeah, I think you're right, Brian, in terms of kind of transitioning Devontae over to more of an off-the-bench type of role. But even if he is starting, which I kind of project him to be at the starter alongside LaMelo, my, my starting five, just kind of my projection here, would be LaMelo, Devontae, Hayward, PJ and, and uh, Cody Zeller as my starting five, depending on if Zeller is still on this team. But to your point, like Devontae Graham was good off ball. Like that, that's definitely not the question. Um, it, it's one of those things where if you take the ball out of his hands full time, uh, you do wonder if it kind of diminishes his value. But you're going to have players like Gordon Hayward and uh, LaMelo Ball who are breaking down the defense and getting into the, to the teeth of the defense. And Devontae could be standing in the corner, catch and shoot. Um, and he will be probably more beneficial doing that instead of having to carry the heavy load. And because he struggles so much closer to the rim, maybe taking the ball out of his hands a little bit more is probably not a bad thing. So we talked about how, you know, he can, Gordon Hayward could help this team. And Brian, I want to piggyback off of you in terms of the Charlotte's lottery odds. Uh, yes. we, we all know that Charlotte outperformed their kind of statistics and metrics, right? So they were third in the league behind the Lakers and Denver in win differential, having four more wins than kind of what their stats suggested. A lot of that was because of their clutch offense and, and, and 
being lucky, I guess, if you, if you want to call it. Shooting luck. They shot yeah. 43% on three-point attempts in the clutch last season. That was tops in the NBA. Yeah. But, but the Hornets did get better with this acquisition. You obviously are going to have more experience with Devontae and, and P.J. Washington getting another year under their belt. So I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. No, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs by any means. But I do think that they will be an improved basketball team. And do I think it hurts their lottery chances? I think slightly it does. Uh, but again, there are some teams that were below Charlotte last year, like Atlanta and obviously Golden State. They're going to kind of jump them in the standings. Spencer, how, how do you think this affects them in the standings? Like, do you think Hayward and LaMelo and, and more years out of P.J. Washington and Devontae Graham pushes this team close to a 9 or 10 seed? Or, or are they more towards the bottom half? I mean, I, I think that the nine and ten seed is is doable for Charlotte with this roster. Um, you know, I mean, you look at the East overall, and it got better. You know, yeah. it didn't get worse. I mean, some some of the teams at the top, I wouldn't really say got better, but you kind of know like who the top six teams are, and then after that, you know, you're, you're jockeying between <clears throat> another five or six. You know, I, I think Atlanta is probably primed to jump up. Um, you know, Orlando. Obviously, you're gonna have to compete against them. You know, if you're in that 10-11 race, yeah. So I think it's possible. I I don't I, I don't think that Charlotte will finish in the top ten in the East. I think they're more likely to finish between eleven and eleventh you know, or twelfth, probably, which puts them in that similar spot that they they just were. Right. We saw how the the lottery ended up. To your point, Richie. You know, lottery odds are, are weighted differently now. There's not as much incentive uh, to be the worst team in the league. So, you know, I, from that perspective, this makes some sense. Well, I, I had a thought about the backup center, but I know we're going to talk about this. So I'll say, I'll save yeah. that part. The look, couple things I want to add here is that like to your point, Richie, here's another way to look at it. As far as like them outplaying their point differential, a lot of which was shooting luck and clutch offense. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlotte was still bottom three in net rating. <laughs> they were they were still bottom five in net rating, offensive efficiency, and defensive efficiency. Um, Lamelo Ball's good, and their young players are going to get better. And Gordon Hayward, I guess, helps them. But I like, like they they do lose, you know, guys like Marvin Williams and stuff too. I just don't. It's hard for me to say like, oh, they added this one guy now. All of a sudden, like, oh, they're definitely you know getting a playoff spot in the East. And I think the play-in tournament certainly makes things like a little bit more challenging to pro- to project. But like, heck, maybe for a team like Charlotte, the goal is that you end up in the you end up in the play-in tournament, and you say like, hey, you know, if we, you know, worst case scenario, or I don't know what you would look at as the best or worst case scenario, but it's like one way or the other, we're either making the playoffs or getting in the lottery. Either way, we're gonna play a few more games too. Um, so I sort of wonder if that has some appeal to a team like Charlotte, but here's a little exercise we can run through quickly. And uh, I'd be curious to know what you guys think about this. So there were 10 teams in the NBA last season. This is when you filter out garbage time. This is when you're using cleaning the glass net rating. There were 10 teams that had a net rating of minus two points per 100 possessions or worse last season. Um, Charlotte's in this list, but here's the list. And tell me, give me your honest opinion. Do you think these teams got better or worse next after this offseason? Golden State, better or worse? Well, just by health, yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, better. better. And they better. added Oubre and, and Wiseman, obviously losing Clay, that sucks. But uh, Cleveland, hard to say, but what would you say, better or worse? About the same, maybe? About the same, about the same. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, it, yeah, better defensively with Okoro. exactly because they brought Isaac Okoro in. Like he's immediately going to make their defense better. Period. Um, if not, then yeah, he's not a, an NBA player probably. Unfortunately, so but we think he's good. Um, Atlanta, better or worse? Better. Yeah, better. Yeah, exactly. They they're probably going to add Bogdanovich, Gayo, Okongwu. The offense could be really really good. They added Chris Dunn. Rondo, Maybe not. worse defensively though. Yeah, we really I mean, think about it hard. Yeah. Like they didn't add any defensive. They got no. uh, Chris Dunn, but I mean, what is he yeah. going to play? Twelve minutes a game. So and, and we'll see. And like you know, Reddish and, and Hunter should be a little bit better. And we'll see. Hell, maybe they end up trading John Collins for some stuff. Um, with guy with Gallo in there. And I think they're. It, it's, it's a cool exercise too because I've been thinking about this a lot. I think Atlanta added some interesting pieces. I'm not sure how much better they are though. Yeah, like the, they'll be better than last year because they were one of the worst teams in the league. But I just think the offense is going to be really good. Assuming they get Bogdanovich, the offense is going right. to be like enough. But yeah, you're right. Defensively, they're they still um, have some pretty big time holes. I yeah. mean, yeah. So and, like, and Trey Trey Young was like argued by defensive PIPM was the worst defender um, in the NBA last season. And like you know, Clint Capella is like a, a good defensive center, but it's not like he got Rudy Gobert back there. You know, gobbling up pick and roll and cleaning up the glass and protecting the rim. Washington, do they get better or worse? I, I would say about same. the same. I mean, same. I don't know what John Wall coming yeah. back means. That, I mean, I like Advia. I, I don't yeah. know that he's going to give him that much of a spark. Um, and they, I mean, they brought Bertans back. I don't know, whatever yeah. with them. Yeah, I, I, I think they're a little, I mean, it, it, it's so, Spencer, you, Nate, you said it. Like so much depends on Wall and that's impossible to project. But they drafted Denny. Um, you know, he could help them out and be good next season. They signed Robin Lopez. They re-signed Davis Bertans. Bradley Beal still, you know, in his prime. So I could see them being a little bit better. Uh, the New York Knicks, like, <laughs> they drafted Obi Toppin and they did some other, you know, they brought back Alfred Payton. They signed um, Nerlens Noel. I thought it was actually a, a good little signing for them. Um, Dotson but, got away. I, I, I would say, yeah. I mean, giving Obi Toppin the minutes they're going to give him, I'd say there's a case that they're worse. They're, yeah, <laughs> they're going to be bad. I mean, they're, they're going for, you know, Cade Cunningham or BJ Boston or yeah. whatever. Uh, Minnesota, better or worse? Better, but I, I still don't think that team's going to be good. I, I tend to agree. I, yeah, I, I don't, I would say I'm pretty neutral there. Yeah. I think, I think there's a chance they could, even with Oklahoma City, I think there's just, there's still a chance Minnesota could be the worst team in the West. I I, I, I agree. Because, like, Oklahoma City, they still got Shea Gilchrist. They got George Hill right now, too. He's Before they trade him, maybe they go yeah, to the Yeah, before season. they reroute him to the Clippers, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a great player. That's the best trade chip probably on the market right now, or certainly one of them. But they also get a full season of Towns and D'Lo and Malik Beasley, Jaden McDaniels, blah, blah, blah. West will beat them up. Uh, Detroit, I have no clue. Like, they did so much weird shit. <laughs> like, But, like, maybe Blake Griffin is in good shape and ready to be good next season. Like, I don't know, but they'll be, you know, probably in the ballpark. But here's, like, my, here's my thing with Blake Griffin. If he starts performing well, is, is he now a, a trade chip? He could. He's a big contract, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, not a ton of time left on it, but yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's still one of the worst. I, yeah. I would, I would say Detroit probably got a little worse. Okay, that's cool. I think you could argue in either way. Right. Um, and then just three more here. Uh, Chicago, did they get better? Mm, no, no, because yeah. I, I mean, because I, what did they add? I mean, they didn't, and they actually Pat lost. Williams. Like, the, yeah, Otto Pat Porter, Williams. Otto, 
Yeah, Otto Porter is uh, healthy now. That's a, that's yeah. a potential win for them. No, yeah, Jim they, they got a great coach. They got a great yeah. coach too. So yeah, they, I think I, it's the, hard to argue they got better. I think I, I'm not yeah. sure how much worse I think they got, but I think it's hard to argue they got better. Agreed. And just two more here. Um, Sacramento. Did they get? I guess maybe it depends on what they do with Bogdanovich or if there becomes any sort of like trade of some kind or whatever. But like Sacramento, uh, better or worse next season. I forget about that team so often. I forget about yeah, that team. Yeah, I, I mean, I would uh, – that's another one I'm neutral on. I mean, neutral, if yeah. they lose Bogdanovich, that's that's important to the style of basketball they play. Uh, yeah. And, it, it, you know, they have no way to replace him. So. Yeah, yeah. They, still, they, they just they just signed Max – or Fox – Fox, pardon me, Fox to a Max extension, and that kicks in another season from now. They drafted Halliburton. Buddy Heald gets more playing time on the wing. Um, they could be a playoff team, but the West is really, really tough. And then obviously Oklahoma City is going to stink, and, you know, they'll tank. There are going to be teams that right. are going to get injured. Stuff's going to happen. Right. But yeah, the exactly. point the, – the, I'm drawing this out, but the point I'm trying to make is it's like just adding Gordon Hayward does not immediately play this team out of the lottery. I think that's an I think that's an important thing sure, to remember. Yeah. It ties into what you guys brought up earlier in the pod, which is that like Gordon Hayward might be an extension of the of the twenty twenty one free agency class, essentially for Charlotte. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you're still saying like, yeah, we're probably gonna get another lottery pick. And now we have like we've used at least some of this future cap space to go get Gordon Hayward. Now you can argue whether that contract's good or not, but it's not like I think they played themselves out of uh, the lottery, and I don't think they've done anything to really like you know handcuff Devonte Graham. Maybe you can argue Malik Monk, um, and that's something to perhaps be addressed. But as far as like guys like Lamelo and Devonte Graham go, like I, I think they're okay from a development standpoint with those guys. Yeah, I, I don't think they're making the playoffs either. I guess my point was that just by adding Hayward, you are lifting them up from like the 14th or 15th seed in the East yeah, to the totally. 11th, yeah. 12th, or 13th, which is, you might not think is, is is a big difference, but in terms of the lottery, it can be. And who knows, Hornets are probably not going to get lucky twice in a row. So, <laughs> yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, I, I I totally agree. It was a good exercise, BG, because there's, there's some perspective to understand. Right. I, I the, the contract of Gordon Hayward... I'll defend it, try to defend it, already have. Um, I think it's just, it's the process. Again, that's like, if they have to stretch Batum, yeah. that, that is something that cannot be defended. It, it, but that's can also be looked at separate from the contract, even, even though I understand the two are linked. So, All right, so one last mention before we get to our Thanksgiving draft is Bismack Biombo has signed. We don't know the, the full details quite yet, but... If we had to imagine, it's probably a deal in the ballpark of two to three million dollars. Uh, in terms of overall takes on this signing, you know, maybe going after him versus going after uh, Hernan Gomez. I, I think the biggest thing with the Bismack signing has never really been about the on-court performance. It's been more about the locker room stuff. And while he doesn't necessarily fit the style of play that I think. Borrego wants to play the switchy, have switch heavy style. I think it can't be understated how big of a veteran presence he is, a locker room presence he is. Uh, so regardless if he gets playtime or not, if it's sporadic here and there, that's not the point of this um, signing for Biombo. I don't mind it at all. Obviously, it's going to come in at a, at a low number. Uh, Spencer, what are your thoughts on Biombo returning? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't mind it too much. I think I, I would have liked to seen the Hornets, especially following the Gordon Hayward 
decision. I think I would have liked to see them be a little bit more um, creative with this backup center signing. I, maybe maybe Vernon Carey, you know, lights training camp on yeah. fire, and all of yeah. a sudden he's your backup center. I don't expect that to happen. So, like, just just an I think a center at the minimum or close to it, which is basically what Biombo is going to get probably that just has a little bit more offensive upside. When you, when you talk about what the bench is going to be this year with Monk and with Bridges and with I'm projecting Rozier probably coming off the bench. I, I just, I don't want to watch Malik Monk. And this, so maybe this is just a selfish thought. I don't want to watch Malik Monk and Terry Rozier jack up like above the break threes with five seconds left on the shot clock. Uh, because somebody threw them a grenade and and uh, you know I just I don't know like I, I love biz I really do he 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 lifts your floor defensively uh, he plays his tail off like it, you just have to appreciate watching him play basketball but like how many times do we have to see this movie in Charlotte I, I understand he's a good locker room guy yeah. I'm not too worried about this locker room frankly <laughs> like I think it's pretty solid uh, with the additions they've made and I don't know. I just, I think the Charlotte could have like Alex Lynn, you know, like he's not great, but like just somebody like that's a little younger has a little bit of offensive upside. Like maybe you can scratch a little bit more out of developmental wise. I, I just, I have a little bit of a fundamental problem, just like running it back with Biz again, when you know so clearly what his limitations are while you're also trying to like reimagine the roster. I, I don't, it just doesn't quite line up. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, Biombo, he's become the the Udonis Haslam of Charlotte basketball, I guess, which is to the point is it's like this signing's okay as long as Biz never really plays, like unless he's just like an innings eater for you one night during a, a really long winding regular season. Um, but yeah, I agreed. You know, they could have probably done a little bit. In my head, I thought before the Hayward signing, they were going to use that $19 million in cap space and go out and sign two veteran players. And one of those guys could have been freaking Christian Wood or something like that. You know, like that, that was sort of like where I thought there or, or Montrose Harrell. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't have been crazy about the Harrell edition, um, which, which real quickly, I, I do think that Charlotte chased both those guys. It's, I, it, I, it, I, yeah. There are reports that definitely, if, yeah. they, if there are reports that they chased Wood, I haven't seen that yet, but I did see like, yeah, like Montrose Harrell turned down more money with the Hornets so he could, I um, think that I think Charlotte was one of the teams that made Wood pause after that initial um, report came out. Uh, report yeah. and, and then Houston had to up the ante by like fourteen million dollars or something. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, no way to know for sure, but I do think Charlotte sniffed around on both those centers. Yeah, and um, it will be. I guess it would be interesting to see. I don't expect this to be a very robust market, but like assuming they don't work out a sign and trade and they end up stretching Batum, which that seems to be the the most likely scenario here. Um, do you expect them to use some of that space to go out and sign another center? I, I, so I think there's an argument to be made that they should. Yeah. Um, I, then you not have much like, available, but yeah, not, yeah, exactly. Not much available. I'd, I'd have to look and see, you know, what the opportunity cost really is there. But I mean, but then you're like, we have five centers in, in the, in the pipeline now. And it's yeah. just like, if you've heard it once, you've heard it a million times. Like, you can get centers anywhere at almost any time for really, really, really cheap. So, you know, going back, not to get too much off topic here, but going back to the draft that we talked about it that night, it's like it just it just made it perplexing when it happened that the Hornets spent two picks and traded for one of them in the top 45 in this draft yeah. to get centers. Like, yeah. I, I just – in, in so, for- for, for guys especially like when you're going to bring back biz, like I, yeah. I don't know. especially in like uh, you know Nick Richards could turn into a rotation center, like he has the size and discrete skills, but like 
I, I'm not crazy about Nick Richards as a prospect. I mean, we'll see. Again, maybe he checks a couple boxes just in terms of his frame and stuff. If he can shoot, if, if the best cup secret out there is that he can actually stretch it and shoot it, I'm interested. Other than, that, yeah. other, other than that, I agree. Yeah. yeah, and then we'll see where we'll see where Vernon Carey's jump shot is come come training camp too. Um, just some names that are available. The the very inspiring Hassan Whiteside uh, continues to be unsigned. Yeah, pass, pass, run in the other direction. He's been working out with Charlie. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no. Uh, no. Maybe Golden State would be interested in in Whiteside, yeah. or if they're just going to go to Wiseman as their you know full time center next season. Taj Gibson. Um, still around. I believe Ilya Sova is available now that uh, Milwaukee waived him. I think he's around. So he's a guy that can give you some four and some five, um, give you a little bit of shooting, um, a little bit of just you know, like weird defense, help defense because of his charge taking. Um, two names that, that do jump out to me. Two names, six letters. I don't envision this being the case, but um, – I like the versatility and I like the fact that they could play a little four and five and maybe even some three too. But uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson and uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Ah, very interesting. When when you, yep. You you said two other names I'm looking at and and the bells went off in my head. Um, That, yeah, that's interesting. I I like Hollis Jefferson. Um, He's he's really turned into a nice defensive utility player in the league. The guy that I really thought I I wanted the Hornets to to take a swing at, and it would have fit salary wise for for what he actually got. Is Harry Giles? I mean, I, I thought Same. he was yeah. interesting to bring in. I know he's. I know there's some real injury concerns out there for him. Just if he's always going to be, uh, always going to play 50 games a year or whatever. But uh, you know, he's still young. He can play the four some. He, he but he's probably more of a five. You know, pretty good offensive player. Defensively, pass. plays his tail off. I, I, yeah, he can pass some. You can run some offense out of it. I thought he was a really good fit with that second unit. Um, so I was a little disappointed in that. Yeah, I, I think he was a, a buy low guy that would have been cool to have uh, brought him home. Yeah, like if you if your free agency had been uh, Christian Wood and Harry Giles, all of a sudden now I know you got a lot of centers based off you know mm-hmm. drafted. Nick Richards, who used an asset to move to get back into the draft and take him, and he took Vernon Carey 32nd overall, which is almost a first round pick or whatever. Um, so maybe not, but yeah, those were that would have been like a very satisfying, you know, free agency period, I feel like. Um, but alas, that is not the direction the team decided to go in. I think by drafting both of those centers in the second round or trading for one and drafting for the other. I think it kind of signaled that they needed a veteran presence at the center position, and uh, they just took the easy generic route and just stuck with their own and Bismack Biombo. So I don't mind the uh, the acquisition. Obviously, it's not going to pay big dividends on the court, but it could pay big dividends in the locker room. Uh, so let's go ahead and transition to our fantasy draft. All right, so here is how the rules are going to play. Spencer, you're actually going to be the first pick, and then it's going to go Brian, and then it's going to go me. So you are drafting a Thanksgiving dish, whether that's the main course. Obviously, you can you can pick turkey. Uh, mm-hmm. You can pick a side dish. You can even pick a dessert. And once when that meal or dish is selected, it is off the board. We will go three rounds, so at the end of it all, you will have – three thanksgiving themed dishes so okay. spencer i know you spent a lot of time on your big board with did, college yeah. prospects but i'm sure you did the same thing right here so you are on the clock 
All right. Well, this is an easy one. I, I'm going Anthony Edwards with, uh, no, wait, what, what are we doing? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. We're doing, no, okay. Just kidding. Um, all right. I'm going to go I mean, the first pick. I mean, this one's easy, right? I'm, I'm, I got to go Turkey. I mean, that's the best player available. So that that's kind of where I'm, where I'm landing. I, I feel very good about, about this is like drafting in 2019. You're just like, yeah, I'm either going to get Zion or, or, you know, Morant, you know, probably Morant. I, I feel very good about, about, <laughs> Number two pick and, and what I'm going to go. I'm taking whatever you want to call it, stuffing or dressing. Yeah, this is an easy. This is, I guess this is a side technically, but this is a no, come on, man. This is a no brainer um, for me. I'm going stuffing slash dressing. This is my favorite thing. My mom makes an excellent, excellent mm-hmm. version of this. And it's what we have to make a double batch of this every year um, because yeah. my sister and I eat is nonstop for the 48 when <laughs> Richie just I just saw Richie like leave his body on video so this you guys must have this one ranked higher than me yeah, yeah. I, I had stuffing number one overall I, I know that you had turkey as your top spot Spencer but but stuffing dressing whatever you want to call it was my top overall pick so I'm gonna have to adjust here on the fly Uh-oh. so I'm gonna go uh back-to-back picks here with my snake now I don't know if many people consider this like a Thanksgiving-related side dish. Some people don't even have it for Thanksgiving. But I'm going to go mac and cheese as my, my yeah, first like overall that. pick in the first round. And then I am going to go – Now this, this, this might seem kind of out there. I'm going to go gravy. Now, gravy, obviously, you wouldn't eat by itself. But mm-hmm. you would put it on mashed potatoes. You could even put it on your turkey. So it's very versatile. So I'm going to go mac and cheese and then gravy. And then, Brian, you are on the clock. Yeah, and so I can't take like three side dishes, you can. right? You can, you can, oh, you can. Okay, uh, so you took you took gravy and what else? Mac and uh, cheese, macaroni. Okay, I'm gonna go mashed potatoes here. Um, I feel very good. I just got my two core, my foundation. I'm loading up Damn on it. carbs. Um, I'm running a marathon <laughs> after this meal, apparently. But uh, yeah, we're gonna go stuffing or dressing uh, one, and then with my second pick, I will take uh, mashed potatoes. Okay. You got back-to-back that's, picks, Spencer. That's where I was going. Okay. And I want to go back and justify my first pick. It's technically fried, deep-fried turkey. Yeah, there you go. There you okay. go. Okay. If yeah. that, if the listeners, if that intrigues you a little more on my draft grade, I like um, I'm going to go fried turkey. So, all right, I go, I go back-to-back here. I'm going to go hash brown casserole with the first. And then... And we're moving to dessert now, right, Richie? No, you, you, you can do dessert. You can you can do any, like, I'm, what I'm saying is, like, it could actually okay. be three dessert picks or three side dishes. It doesn't really matter. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna do, like, the trifecta. I'm going to go main, side, dessert. So yeah. my dessert pick is going to be pecan pie. So I'm going fried turkey, hash brown casserole, and pecan pie. All right. I'll close it up here with pumpkin pie. It'll be my dessert. All righty. Um, I'm going to go a dessert as well. I was tempted to pick dinner rolls as, <laughs> as a, as a side here. I, I feel like I eat those nonstop at Thanksgiving, but I'm going to go with apple pie. Um, right. just your, uh, generic apple pie there. So I'm not a big Solid. dessert eater. Uh, and I, I will tell you, Spencer, I've not had pecan or pecan pie before, so I need to try that. Oh, you have to with a little whipped cream on top. The the specialty is the if you can find it, the bourbon pecan pie. It's oh it is huh. it's my it's my it's my favorite, man. It's awesome. All right, guys. Thanks again for tuning in to another Buzz Beat. We will catch you guys later and have a good Thanksgiving. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.